We're back with another Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we're catching up with Vikings quarterback legend, Tommy Kramer. Welcome back to Skull Stories presented by 3M. Tonight, we're catching up with a Vikings legend who's still sitting as the second leading passer in Vikings history. His stories are always incredible, and he took a few minutes out of his schedule to join us in studio tonight to reminisce just about some of his favorite stories from back in his playing days. Please enjoy our conversation with Tommy Kramer. Well, Tommy Kramer, welcome to the show. It's great to see you once again. And, and I want to start the conversation off tonight by talking about one of your favorite things to do, and that's stay connected with all the Viking fans here in town. I see you on social media all the time, running around and hanging out before Viking games. Do you have a favorite place to be before the games kick off? One that Buddy always has us go to is at uh, tailgating. Tailgating thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, and there's another little bar right across side, <laughs> yeah. right outside of it. So it was fun. Yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is. Well, you grew up in the San Antonio area. Uh, you had a ton of high school success. We know that football is a form of religion down there. Oh, yeah. It really is. So what are your fondest memories of playing high school ball? Because you had some great ones. My dad had put a net up in the back, two by twelve cross up here, and I'd go out and throw two hundred and fifty passes four days a week. Wow! You know, and I wouldn't just throw it for throwing it into it. I, I'd say, okay, okay, this one's going to be for the district championship, and then this, you know, and go right through the bowl, the tire. <laughs> yeah, and so I did that about five years. Wow! Uh, and then, but there's this one little girl down the street. And she could throw the ball further than I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's special. So it wasn't just throwing the football, but it was just preparing yourself and visualizing mentally as well. Then, yeah, like so when you were so when you did get to the state championship, or you you know you did get to the big games, you already had been there. Yeah, in that respect, so you could just kind of relive it already mentally, which is pretty. It's it's an amazing part of development for kids, and and because they want to just do and and but. It's not just the physical, it's the mental side as yeah. well, right? We ended up winning the state championship in Wichita Falls and beat them. And then we played another one at Cowboy Stadium. And it's that was a actually, big deal. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't, we didn't really lose that game because I had a receiver going in the backside of the end zone. Mm -hmm. And so I looked and there was, and so I, nah, ain't, he's not open. And so then I went and dove into the end zone and then I got flipped and the ball came out, but we recovered it. Yeah. Oh, no, no. He helped that ball into there. <laughs> no. I said, what? <laughs> I didn't know where I was. That's it, crazy. It had to have been interesting to go back to in, in your professional career to go back down there and play in that same stadium where the where the high school game was. Oh yeah, you know, for high school football, we had two best seasons. I think uh, back to 1977, you were the 27th overall draft pick of the Vikings, and I was looking it up. Uh, in fact, this morning, only one other quarterback was taken in the first round. Considering how the draft goes now, where it seems like five, six, seven, eight quarterbacks could go in the first round, and you went 27th, did the Vikings contact you before the draft? Did you have an inkling at all that you might be drafted by Minnesota? They told me to stay in my room and answer the phone. <laughs> so I said, it, wasn't, it wasn't very. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so the phone rang, and I lifted it up, and they said, uh, Tommy, this is so-and-so. 
from the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. And so how would you like to play for the Packers? I said, I don't give a damn where I play. I just want to play. <laughs> so he goes, well, if you're still around, we're, we're going to take you. I said, thank you. As soon as I hung up the phone and it says, uh, Tommy, this is Bud Grant from the mm. Minnesota Vikings. How would you like to play for the Vikings? I said, I don't give a damn where I play. I just want to play. Right. He goes, well, you're going to pick you with the 27th pick. Man, I said, that's fine enough with me. <laughs> yeah. When you And when you finally got here, what was it about Bud Grant that you that stood out to you? How was What was it like playing for a guy like him? Well, I bet you that half of the people that he ever coached, he never said a word to them. <laughs> We've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was uh, a quiet leader, but you knew who was the boss. Oh, yeah. But he told me, he said, whatever you need to do to keep your hands warm, I'll look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> so when you finally got your opportunity to get in, you know, you had some NFL action in 77. What was uh, what was that like when you finally got your opportunity to get out there and, and, and play? Tarkington broke his ankle, I think, mm -hmm. against... Uh... It was 24 to 3, the fourth quarter to San Francisco. Three touchdown passes later, you win the game 28-27. I think that's the game where Tommy Kramer's name became synonymous with two-minute Tommy and everything else that went on because that was a game to remember at Met Stadium. Oh, yeah. That, that was a hell of a game. I mean, that doesn't happen. It didn't happen back then because it, it, the game wasn't quite as crazy as it was now. And then you had a guy named Ahmad Rashad also joining the team at that point, and you seemed to have a connection that eventually led to the 1980 uh, miracle at the Met play. But uh, talk about Ahmad a little bit in your relationship. And, and Scott Studwell, too, because oh, those yeah. are two of your favorite teammates. Yeah, we all – Three of us kind of lived down there in Lakeville. Mm -hmm. And so I'd take Rashad over to the school that's right across the road. And I said, okay, if, they, if you see this coverage and then we don't have the plate for that, then this is what I want you to do. You know, just move it out of the way. And so sure enough, we get a touchdown. Right. Tommy, one of the, one of the questions I have is what do you remember – about the miracle at the Met. What what about that game-winning play, and what was your mindset leading up to it? Because it, it, it's really iconic. Uh, it, it's all about winning, mm -hmm. you know, and that's all it is. And so you go in and call the play, and all right, we're going to play squadron right, squadron hook and lateral, and that's when sensor bounce it back to Teddy Brown. He's coming in a wheel route underneath here. And then he's and Teddy looks it up at the clock. You gotta get out of bounds. Now three or four seconds, that was yeah. it. Yeah. So I told him but I told him before that these boys are scared of us if I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. And sure enough they go out there, loft it up there, give them a little time to get it towards the end zone. So I just threw it higher and where it's gonna come down and right around the goal line. And Ahmad reached back and grabbed it, and all oh, hell yeah. broke loose. <laughs> you know, I lost a little bit of uh, Tommy Kramer in the, in the midst of that you know that game that is still memorable for so many Viking fans. In fact, looking up your stats, thirty eight out of forty nine for four hundred and fifty six yards and four touchdowns. I mean, that was that was a game to remember, and, and it was cold out, and the fans stuck around and they rushed the field, and Ahmad I think turned to Terry the count and goes, "Do you like money?" <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a mod, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he did that. And then uh, yeah, we were able to start a show together. So thank you for that because of you, your touchdown pass, Ahmad was able to go on and, and uh, start a TV show. Do you, what do you miss most about playing? Just the thrill of playing. 
because there's you're out to do something. You want to win a game. I like that. That feeling, you can't find it anywhere else. And the only way to get there is to put in all the work, put your body on the line. So for you, is that still? Can you still close your eyes and feel that? Like let's just let's just say the the uh, the, the throw to Ahmad. I mean, obviously you can still see it in your mind. Do you still have that feeling? Well, does that ever go away? No, it never goes away because every time we go somewhere, those fans are saying, "Well, what was that thing with Rashad?" <laughs> <laughs> right. So I. So I know that story by now. You had uh, a big bounce back year too in 1986. Uh, kind of rekindled that ma- that Tommy Kramer magic. Finished off the season, leading the league with a 92.6 quarterback rating, a Pro Bowl nomination. What do you recall about that season being so special? Because it's been a while since you've been in the league. Then, well, it's, Bernsey was the uh, head coach at that. When you talk about Jerry Burns, what 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 a personality and and. Uh, he he remember your name at all? I mean, because Burns had had a hard time. He would just call <laughs> Fran Tarkett in number ten half the time. I think. You know, so he was a special, but a very bright offensive coach. Oh yeah, he's the funniest person I've ever seen without <laughs> trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Inadvertently, yes, <laughs> that's good. Uh, we're here at Twin City Orthopedic. I mean, state of the art with everything. I think about the training when you're playing at Met Stadium. I don't even know if you guys barely even have a weight room out there, but you you took your share of injuries and took a toll. And I think about how much did that take a toll over the years on on you physically um, from, from from the shots you took and, and having not having the advantage of a facility like we have here now at Twin City Orthopedic. Well, we, you know, we paid uh, ten dollars to go place to work out. <laughs> Isn't that something? Well, really? I said, I said this is professional football. Yeah. You had to pay $10 to go work out somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's real, That really is amazing. You have uh, memories of Fred Zambrelletti. Zambi. <laughs> big Fre- big Freddie, because I know Freddie was big part of keeping you out there on the field. Oh, yeah. He's he's always fun. He's always good. Jokes crack out and all that. He's, he's, he's a good guy. Did he teach you how to play cribbage? Uh, yes. Some of the most expensive lessons in cards I ever got. Because <laughs> he, he wouldn't play for free. Yeah. You wouldn't teach it for free. You had you had to you had to put your own money up, and those were expensive lessons. Going back to uh, early in your career, Tommy Kramer, uh, you had the opportunity. I mean, that's, and what a gift it was to be able to play with the Purple People Eaters. I mean, what what do you recall about maybe practicing against them, watching the way they they uh, they perfected their craft, and just the sheer passion they had to play this game of football? When I got out there first time in uh, to training camp. Mm-hmm. Down in Mankato. In Mankato, yeah. And uh, so I didn't know where to go. I just kind of started, walked over towards Bud, and I started watching him hitting the sled. I said, Bud, how come those other guys don't have to hit the sled? He goes, Tommy, they show up on Sunday. Yeah, he did that a lot uh, with, with Jim Marshall, who was, uh, missed a lot of days during the week for no, whatever that reason. Was, that was Paige. Well, but also, but, but Jim would always be there on Sunday. Always. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, he was a special. All of them were special, but I can't even imagine being like a kid in a candy store and and uh, walking in to see uh, that guy, those guys on defense. And after facing them in practice, I think anybody, any opposing defense would be easier to play against after practicing against right. those guys every day. One day, uh, down we were down in, uh, in Mankato, and we got Archer Manning. You know, I threw it down to the end zone, and I told Archie, I said, you better throw that ball as far as you can. Because let me tell you, this guy is fast. AC. Anthony That's Carter, it. AC. Yep. Yeah. 
he throws it, and AC was just sitting there waiting. <laughs> <laughs> like a fair catch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was special. He definitely was. Well, Tommy, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thanks for sharing your school stories tonight. And uh, be well, my friend. Good to see you. Thank you. you. Thanks for the memories. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Stick around for more Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more right after this. Heading to a game at U.S. Bank Stadium this season? Try the all-new Vikings-inspired beer from Hop Valley Brewing. Crafted for the fans who bleed purple, Hop Hala Hazy IPA is a game day grog for Valhalla. Welcome back to tonight's edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com slash science to learn more. And again, thanks again to Tommy Kramer for joining the show tonight. It's always great to catch up with him when we get the chance. All right, Pete Bursich, it's hard to believe we're already down to the final two games of the regular season. Let's uh, take a few minutes to look back on what happened against the Lions. Before we look ahead to the Packers game this uh, Sunday night, uh, this past Sunday, shocking, the Vikings lost another tight one uh, under the heading of what else is new, this time to the Lions. First off, you got to congratulate the Lions for winning their first NFC North title ever and first division title in 30 years when it was the NFC Central on the surface, the turnover battle was the most costly evident statistic again. But Pete, what else did you see in this game on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I, yeah, you have to start with turnovers. And I think um, taking a deeper dive into into everything and thinking back about the game, the big turning point and the kind of the killer was now for some reason they decide that they're going to take the opening kickoff, right? Which was like, it worked out quite well right, for them, which too. is Dan Campbell in a nutshell, right? right. Just, just. It doesn't make sense, but just do it. Um, so we get the ball, take it down, score a touchdown right away. But was what af- what happened after that? Detroit had the ball on the on the next two drives. So we score a touchdown. Detroit gets mm-hmm. the ball, and then we're three and out. But around that three and out, you have two drives by the Lions that totaled up to over fourteen minutes, twenty seven plays. 158 yards and 13 points, and it's 13 points because they missed the PAT. But those two long, sustained drives, you can't do those back-to-back, right? And that's what eventually got us into the time of possession. Now, if you think about the themes from earlier this season about, you know, we had the turnovers, and then the games would still end up being close. We haven't lost more than a one-score game yet this year. So it's the ebb and flow of a football game, and I really do think that we came out third quarter, get down the field, score, get ourselves a lead. We're like, okay, we're you know we're back in this thing, and then it's almost as if guys just took a breath, offensively and defensively, because you give up those two big long sustained drives. Offense goes three and out in between. Next thing you know, your back's up against the wall and you're behind again. So it's one thing to get ahead. And to get back at you know get back the lead and there's a whole other thing to sustain the lead, and that's the only thing that um, that I've seen reoccurring, and I'm not going to blame it on a lack of focus. I'm not on the field. I'm not with these guys. I don't know what that is, but it just seems like you go back to the Raiders game when the defense every single time they took the field they could not give up a point because mm-hmm. we only got three the whole entire game, uh, but you just couldn't give up an inch and they didn't. Well, in this case, it seems like, yeah, they they held us in there, and then we finally got the lead. 
did what we had to do to get it, and then you just kind of, you know, just it, and it doesn't take much. That's right. the thing I think in this league is it doesn't take Pete, much. You have to be good enough to overcome questionable calls in this league. Every team goes through it. Every team, you know, points at it and goes, "Well, these refs are out to get us." Yeah, you, you, it's it's the whole thing about zones of control and what can you control, right? You can't you can you can't control what the referees do, regardless. Mm-hmm. So. Whatever happens, you have to hang in there. And you know what? For the most part, the Vikings did. And had they been able to execute at the end of the game, we had the opportunity to go ahead and score a touchdown, and you, and we didn't. But if if you go ahead and, and do that, then, yeah, you survived the calls. So we can, as as fans and everything else, we get into it, and you know we talk about the officials and everything. But as a player, you just have to just – line up and play the next play, and, and there's nothing you can do. And, and again, kudos to the Lions. They have stayed the course. They're a healthier team right now. I think they're a more talented team overall. They have their starting quarterback. They have a, yeah. an explosive a rookie running back. Their wide receivers are very good. Their defense still is questionable, and they're going to run into some yeah, I, potential problems, I think, in the postseason. But, I mean, they've earned where they are, and they certainly look like the better football team. The their Achilles heel is going to be the, their offense is based so much on timing. If they get outdoors or get against a team that's physical and can take that timing away, mm-hmm. which is more likely to happen in the postseason because the referees tend to swallow the flags and that kind of thing. And then defensively, they have trouble getting pressure on a quarterback with a four-man rush, and their DBs are always really grabby. They've been for the last couple of years, so if the referees somehow tighten that thing up and you go against a, a very speedy group of receivers, I think that they're going to be, hold, quote-unquote, holding on for their dear mm-hmm. lives. So, yeah, I, I think uh, the line, yeah, the Lions had a good season. But, you know, again, I think with last year we saw it with us. We we won a bunch of games. But we When we did lose, we lost big. Lions have been kind of the same way. So I, I'm kind of going with that and saying – they won the division. They earned that, but uh, they have some issues. Meanwhile, Justin Jefferson did everything humanly possible to try to will his way to a victory for the Vikings. The catch he yeah. made was as great a catch in that third, that third and whatever twenty-six it was. Astonishing! It was a twenty-six yard gain, I think, and it was just amazing what he was trying to do. And even in the last pass of the game, where he made a double move, if Mullins had led him a little bit or done the, you know, the, or gone the other way, he probably would have caught the ball. And that's just. The skill yeah. set of this guy, maybe the trust that Mullins had in him. Well, yeah, it got to the point where you're thinking, just throw, you know, throw the fifty-fifty ball. And the thing is, is if you're going to do that, you've got to do it where JJ can set his feet and go up like it's a rebound. When you're able to do that, he had, he was completely double teamed and he still came down with it. So JJ is is highly motivated. You know, he's not just riding out the season to get a new contract. He's out there still playing hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mullins is the, he's still working on getting used to the, I guess the timing. If you don't have the arm strength, you just got to throw it sooner. You got to read it a little bit quicker. Yeah, he'd been throwing it to JJ all night, but when you throw it behind him, he can't go up and get it. Right. See my point, yes. right? If you're going to do that, throw it up in High. the air yep. and let him go up and get it. Well, we got uh, another one uh, this Sunday night. Uh, it's the Packers, your favorite team coming to town to wrap it all up, at least for the home regular season. You know the fans will be amped up for that. Uh, we go back to the, the first meeting at Lambeau. The Vikings won that game, but they lost Kirk Cousins to the Achilles injury. Packers is bo- going through a lot of growing pains. You know, the Vikings can't control what other teams are going to do. But what do you expect to see from this team in terms of resolve and and uh, the opportunity to at least finish with a with a, a couple of wins in the road. Playing the Packers is a couple of things. Number one, you know, they just gave up 30 points to the worst offense in football. Carolina had only the highest they had scored all year was 27. They aver- right. Carolina averaged 8.1 yards per play. 
What's different about the Packers now is that Jordan Love is playing well. And you take a look at him. over th- These are his passer ratings over the last two months. He was a 109, a 111 and a half. He had 76.7 against the Giants, came back through a 118.6 against the Chiefs, mm. 125.5, 108.5, a 71.8 versus Pittsburgh, and then last week a 115.5, and he's thrown one pick since Pittsburgh, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Jordan Love is playing better. Our defensive line, you know, Patrick Jones looks like he's going to get his first start of this, you know, first start of his mm-hmm. career, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but between he and Daniil Hunter, we've got to find a way to put pressure on Jordan Love. Well, that that's it. And you know, the Packers defense, I mean, their defensive coordinator may not survive this season. Well, yeah, I mean, they've there's... been giving up. A ton. You mentioned the points they give up against Carolina, so that's that's the thing that whomever starts a quarterback for the Vikings, uh, they got to get on a roll and and, and, right. and maintain ball control, and of course. The turnovers. Well, the one thing you don't do, yeah, exactly. One thing you don't do to a defense that's struggling is go out there early and throw, you know, throw an interception. Don't give them a a glimmer of hope in that respect that you're going to be turning the football over. So, Mullins, 411 yards of passing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, we went through the numbers and how it got that lopsided and why we didn't run the football, and so he can put up the numbers. It's just a matter of it's. It seems to be the decision making under duress. Right. <laughs> well, that, you know, and, and, that that's and we talk about quarterbacks being cold blooded, right? And that's what right. we all that's that's what Mahomes is all about. When you need it most, he's there to make the big play. And I think honestly, either way, um, they're they're going to get aggressive. That yeah. defense is reeling; they're on their heels. So therefore, get them off their heels. Had them you get them going north and south. Detroit had some success taking advantage of our of of our protection. Ty Chandler is still learning his way. There were some mistakes. I would expect that the Packers are going to press, make Mullins uncomfortable, make him make those those you know those duress decisions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The ones that you would you wouldn't want to do to Rodgers because Rodgers would kill you. So they're going to want to do. I think they're going to do that to Mullins. So I, I kind of expect the Packers to just pin their ears back and. And, and just blitz the living tar out of us. Well, last week it was a Christmas Eve day. This Sunday night, it'll be 2023 going out with a bang, <laughs> literally, as these two familiar foes will square off at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday night. You can catch Pete and PA, of course, right here all across the Vikings radio network. So be sure to check your local listings for details. And thanks again to Tommy Kramer for joining the show tonight. Thank you, fans, for tuning into another edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Happy New Year, and we'll see you all again next week.